Welcome to Creatively Christian, a podcast by Theophany Media, where we inspire, inform, educate, and empower creative Christians of all types. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Hollingsworth. Carl Beckstrand is an author and illustrator who shares his faith with every book he writes. Today he talks with Bill Brooks about multicultural writing, which he does through his children's books that center on the harrowing adventures of his immigrant ancestors. Welcome to Creative with Christian. I'm your host for today, Bill Brooks, bringing you another Creative Christian. Today's guest is a media professor Mountain, at Mountainland Technical College. He's an international book award winner, uh, many more awards than I care to put in this intro. Uh, an award-winning author-illustrator for 25 multicultural books. His most recent book is called Samuel Sailing, it is my pleasure to present Carl Beckstrand. Hi, Carl, how are you? Doing great, Bill, thanks for having me. Good, awesome. So, uh, your last name, is that German? It sounds German, but it's actually Swedish and it's made up, because it used to be Knudsen, <laughs> and there were too many uh-huh. Knudsens in the Swedish army, so they said, change your name. <laughs> wow, just like that. I thought it was an immigration story. I thought the way you started out, the Ellis Island people changed your name. Nope, they changed it in Sweden. Oh, okay. Excellent. Um, so, uh, you are a writer. You have written a lot of things. I can tell by the, all the books behind your head mm-hmm. on top of the, the filing cabinet there. Uh, when did you start writing? Oh, you know, I was in college. I was an undergrad. Um, trying to find a short program so I could graduate graduate quickly. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and um, journalism was short, and I I didn't uh, until that time really have any great fondness for writing, but wow. I sure sure got into it and loved it once I did. Wow! So uh, were you a freshman, junior, senior? What were you at that time? I was probably a sophomore or a junior by the time I actually narrowed it down. I was in the College of Communications and Fine Arts because I knew I loved music and art and literature, but huh. I just hadn't narrowed it down till later. Wow. So had, have you done any writing before that? Only under duress, you know, high school essay assignments, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. So you chose journalism. What, uh, what drove you to journalism? Just because it was a short program? I had a lot of credits already that would, would qualify for that degree once I chose it. And then, um, yeah, I, I never really planned on being a reporter, but I wanted the writing chops. I wanted the ability to write well. Huh. Awesome. So then uh, you made the switch to creative writing. When did that happen? For what reason? So even then in college, when I should have been doing homework, I was getting story ideas and scribbling down and, and setting them aside and thinking, yeah, when I'm old and retired, maybe I'll get published. Right. Yeah. So uh, I don't think you're too old uh, based on, <laughs> uh, I don't think you retired yet. So what, how did you get retired? How did you get published before being old and retired? I was fortunate. Um, I'm from San Jose, California, but I've lived in Utah the last 20 years. And shortly after moving here, I went to a writer's group 
and you know walked around like this greenie holding my manuscripts does anybody know an agent does anybody know someone who can help me get published and the gentleman there um read one of my manuscripts and says you know i have a publishing company why don't i publish this one got started so how did you meet that gentleman? Was that somebody, a friend of a friend or? No, it was at this writer's group. In fact, it wasn't even an official meeting. They were having a barbecue. And so I was really stepping on toes, I think, because they weren't discussing writing. They were there for a social. <laughs> Great, exactly. Yeah, that's how I met him. And what book was that? What was your first book that was published? That was Sounds in the House, a mystery. It's a picture book. And the day we went to print, my publisher died. Oh, no. Yeah. And I had to kind of take over. I mean, authors always have to do their own marketing, even with a big publisher. But I kind of got a crash course in everything to do from printing on. Wow. Yeah. So was there any help uh, after the publisher died? Yes. Fortunately, he had um, some contacts that I was able to get in touch with. and um, some information that helped me with future books. And I eventually started my own publishing company a couple of books later. I worked with one other publisher and then I started my own publishing company. So that's Premio, your, your uh-huh. Premio publishing. publishing company. Okay, awesome. Um, so you'd like to share family stories mm-hmm. and have them read. Uh, what kind of family stories have you have you shared? So um, my mom was a big genealogist. And um, when I was a kid, that was all boring to me. Dates and places, names of people I didn't right. know. And then yeah. when I got older, um, a, a publisher asked me to write a true story about an immigrant child, a child who had immigrated to America. And I said, oh, I think we have a story about that in our family history. And I looked it up and once I discovered these stories, then I was hooked on genealogy. I mean, it was so compelling the narratives um, people and often in people's own words their journals and and so I've done like seven generations of biographies (laughs) for all the different lines of my family Uh, South Africa Scotland all over the place and uh, four of them have been published as children's picture books yeah genealogy is so much more history itself is more interesting but the dash between the dates is more interesting than the, the dates itself. Yeah, for sure. So uh, you said you, you like to share your faith in books and uh, how is that? How do you do that? Well, I try not to be overt, um, but the four books that are, are true stories, biographies, um, talk, all talk about ancestors of mine who immigrated to, the, to America as children. And uh, they all have an element of faith um, the first one that um, we published was called Anna's Prayer about my great great aunt from Sweden. She was sent here as a 10 year old, I think. Um, and uh, mm. her mother didn't have the money to come with her, sent her with her sister, but her sister had to work in another state. So she actually arrived at her destination here in Utah by herself at midnight, wow. not being wow. able to speak English. And uh, the, the aunt that was supposed to meet her didn't get the letter didn't show up so here she is alone at midnight in this train station and she can't even ask for help in english and so she says a prayer please help me to find someone who can speak swedish 
And the answer to that prayer, this is from her own journal, um, was miraculous because it was beyond someone who just spoke Swedish with someone she knew. Okay, I wanna know more about that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a great story. So uh, you feel strongly about having multicultural cast members in your books. Uh, why is that? Well, I grew up in a very cosmopolitan part of the world. I grew up in Silicon Valley in California. Mm-hmm. And then I've lived abroad and I've traveled um, a good deal. And so when I was a child and I would pick up a picture book, often I would see these blonde haired, blue eyed characters. And I would think that's not the world that I see around me. And so, um, yeah, when I started publishing these, I just thought, yeah, this has got to represent the actual world, not a fantasy land. So yeah, none of the books are about diversity. They just happen to have characters of color, diverse characters. Right, yeah, good point. So you don't, you're not a, you're not going to bang the gong of diversity, just hit, hit people over the head with it, just. Yeah, I hate, I hate to moralize in stories for children. I mean, you're going to convey morals and values even when you try not to, but I hate to be overt about it, you know. Here's the lesson, I hate to do that. Yeah, exactly. Um, in what way is your newest book, Samuel Sailing, uh, what way is that multicultural? So uh, that's the part of my family that's from South Africa. Um, and uh, my great-grandfather owned a bakery there and he employed um, people from the area. He, he, his job basically was to feed a lot of British soldier, soldiers there. And um, they maintained contact with, with people from Africa um, for the rest of their lives, even though they moved um, to America after several years. And um, so that's just part of our family history is that we have um, connections with that continent and dear people there. And um, yeah, it's just a fun connection. And uh, you've written another book called To Swallow the Earth. It's a Western a Western survival story. Uh, in what way is that multicultural? So the main character is uh, half Mexican and he was raised by Indians, Native Americans in, oh. um, during the Nevada silver rush. So his family is basically a Native American family in the story. Oh. And do you have a book blurb for uh, the book without spoiling anything? To swallow the earth. A man and a woman, each searching for missing family members, clash amid a a Nevada silver rush scheme that leaves both unsure who to trust and scrambling to stay alive. What if you came home after a journey and your family was gone, someone else was living in your house and trying to kill you? Ooh, ooh. (laughs) (laughs) That does not sound comfortable. That sounds like outside of your comfort zone. Is uh, Is that a family story as well? Actually, it is. Um, So my grandfather, my mom's dad was a writer, and he had this Western manuscript um, that my mother passed on to me when my grandfather died. And I read the first page or two, and I thought, oh, that's very, that's a very cliche Western. And I set it aside. It was a couple of years before I actually picked it up and read the whole thing. And it was actually quite good. And um, it was it was missing some character development, had some plot holes. So I so I had to add chapters and and do a lot of character development. So it was a collaboration with my grandfather and we ended up winning an international book award in 2016. Uh, Do you have an excerpt from To Swallow the Earth? 
Sure. Wade stood braced against the desk. White heat radiated through his pained frame, loosening his muscles. It was an ignition that surpassed fatigue. The name sparked a destructive madness. Ignoring the heightened ache in his head from his now pounding pulse, he turned on his heel. One burning pinpoint of action made him tiptoe up the stairs. He paused in front of the room registered to Laughlin. A crack of light showed under the floor, under the door. He drew the borrowed pistol, pistol and checked the chambers. Poised on one foot, he lifted the other, driving his heel against the door at the level of the lock. The door flew back against the wall with such force it almost leaped from the hinges. Wade stood in the doorway with guns stabbed before him. He was blinded by the sudden light and could not get his eyes to focus. When his eyes adjusted, he tried to make sense of the scene before him. A girl in a long commodious nightdress stood in front of the mirror. A brush in her hand was frozen on her shiny dark hair. So that's kind of a teaser. Who's the girl? I want to know more. <laughs> I didn't expect a girl. Yeah, he didn't either. <laughs> so what do you think? Uh, there's something about mystery books. There's something about uh, my, my wife watches uh, murder mysteries mm -hmm. of all, all genres, all brands, all, like Columbo and uh, like anybody with a whodunit. Mm -hmm. And my, my daughter watches Scooby-Doo, which is whodunit for, for teenagers. Yeah. And uh, I used to read uh, Sherlock Holmes. And uh, so I, and also what I've just, re what I've just learned is that uh, the parables are little uh, tiny mysteries for yeah. uh, the listeners to learn. So uh, what do you think about that? What do you think uh, that God has put in us in order to question things or find things out? Makes us curious. I think it's because we're his children that he's, he is all intellect. And so naturally his offspring are going to be in inquirers, you know, um, we're going to be curious about things. And I love what you said about the parables because yeah, they have so many levels of meaning. You could spend your life finding hidden meanings in those. Yeah, exactly. So uh, what are you working on now? You're working on Samuel Sailing. What is that about? So that's um, about my South African great uncle. Um, he, uh, that's the book that just came out. He immigrated when he was 11 by himself because when his family sold their business, sold their home, bought passage to America, he came down with typhoid fever and was hospitalized. Oh. Yeah, they had to leave him. It was one, it was the hardest thing my great grandparents ever had to do. Is this what year is this? The eighteen hundreds? Yeah, this is about um, nineteen no nineteen twelve. Oh, yeah. And so uh, he's eleven years old, typhoid fever, away from his family. Yeah, and, and it was during World War. I guess maybe it was later than 1912 because World War I had broken out. Anyway, and that's why the family had to go. They couldn't wait. And um, so he eventually sailed later after he recovered, but they didn't know if he would recover or if they'd ever see him again. And this book has illustrations, correct? Yes, um, it has. Um, I used vintage photographs, family photos of Samuel and his family in, in Africa and then um, on their journey and then arriving here in America. Awesome. So, and the next book that I have 
in line is a self-help book called More Than Two Choices. Oh, More Than Two Choices. What can you tell us about that? It's, um, it's drawn on a lot of my own experiences. Um, so it, it has a lot of my life in it, but it's, it's lessons I've learned. Um, and the idea is to help people realize that um, we typically have more than two options when faced with a choice. I mean, there are, there are real opposites, you know, sleep or stay awake, eat or starve, breathe or don't breathe. But in other choices, we usually have many, many more options than we realize. Huh. So this would be an autobiographical book as well? Semi-autobiographical. It's mostly self-help. But I use okay. examples from my own life. So what, what, uh, what advice do you have for people who would like to get into writing? They, they would like to read, uh, excuse me, like to write a, an autobiography. They would like to write an autobiography mm -hmm. themselves, but for whatever reason, uh, they, they feel self-conscious or uh, they feel that they don't know how to write, but don't you know. What advice do you have for people like that? It can be overwhelming. Um, I tell people um, to get a sheet of paper, write down the, day, the date of their birth, write down today's date on the backside at the bottom of that paper, and then start writing in, um, you can do it in five-year increments or 10-year increments, the years, every five or 10 years, start filling in the gaps with just those years. And then write in the main events of your life, you know, like schooling, um, getting married or, or what have you. And then um, as you and, and if you just keep it to that one sheet of paper as your outline, um, you'll start to fill in things as you recall them. And you'll eventually have a beginning to end story that you can elaborate on. Yeah, awesome. And, you know, of course, you don't want it to be one blanks. Yeah, of course, you don't want it to be dull dates like we discussed earlier but that's your that's your launching pad because you're gonna you're gonna be putting in the exciting things of your life the the trials um the joys and so the book hopefully will have just the nuggets the best parts and not just detail i started kindergarten i got a dog you know but <laughs> but that's just a launching pad right unless the dog is is you know significant to your story Right. Might want to might want to cut out the boring parts. Exactly. If you want to know more about Carl Beckstrand, you can go to the following sites: Amazon. Uh, Car look up Carl Beckstrand. Just Carl with a K hyphen Beckstrand uh, at Bookbub. He uh, look for the same thing: Carl dash Beckstrand mm -hmm. at Facebook. Look for Premio Books. On Facebook, Goodreads, goodreads.com slash author slash show 18607.carl underscore backstrand underscore that time. Um, on YouTube, uh, just look up Carl Backstrand instead of the jumble YouTube gives you. Um, and then he has a website, which is probably the first place you should look, is Carl Extrand log all one word dot wordpress dot com. That's the blog. the The website is premiobooks.com. Okay. Forget all that I said. Just go to premiobooks.com. Uh, so thank you for, for your time with us today. 
if you don't mind, I'd like to pray for your future endeavors. Thank you. Uh, let's do that. Father God, thank you very much for this time with Carl Beckstrand. Uh, thank you for his, uh, his love of books and his love for you. Uh, we pray that his books can uh, shine a light uh, on faith and how to live by faith through these trying situations that uh, his family has gone through. And uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bill. My, my pleasure. Carl Brettstrand. Uh, this has been Bill Brooks for Creatively Christian. Join us next week when we bring you another Creative Christian. May God's grace be with you. Thank you so much for listening today. To see the resources mentioned in the episode, go to the show notes at theophanymedia.com forward slash Carl. Creatively Christian is a product of Theophany Media. You can find out more at theophanymedia.com. This show is hosted by Brandon Hollingsworth, Andrea Sandifer, Bill Brooks, and Lynn Baber. Our logo is by Bill Brooks. Our music is by Bill Brooks and Andrea Sandifer. And remember, if you enjoy this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a blessed day and keep on creating for our Lord.